Hey, you two picklers. Welcome to episode 11 of our podcast, Pickleball Therapy, where we talk about all things pickleball with a focus on improvement and helping you become the best pickleball player that you can be. This week, we're going to take a break from our series of the interview with Coach Peter Scales, and we're going to talk to our good friend, CJ Johnson from Petter Pickleball. This week's interview, CJ shares with us some tips and ideas and skills that we can bring to the court where we can feel more comfortable on the court, more confident on the court while we're out there. That'll help us be calmer while we're out there, just have a better time when we're out on the court, and also become better pickleball players. Let's get into it. Every week, players ask Lori or me about the Into Pickle Academy. They want to know more about our online courses and what they're about. If you're interested in knowing more about the Into Pickle Academy, you can visit intopickle.com and you'll be able to link to a video that explains the Into Pickle Academy. Or better yet, join us for one of our free 30-minute workshops. During the workshop, you'll learn a thing or two and learn about the Academy. See you in class. Hi, CJ. Thanks for joining us today on the on our podcast, Pickleball Therapy. We're super excited to have you with us. Uh, you know, how things out uh, out west where you're at? Hey, Tony. It is phenomenal to see you. It's been a while since the Pickleball Summit, I think, right? Um, that was a lot of fun, CJ. A lot of fun. I really appreciate you having me on that. But what, how things going? What's going on with you? Talk to me. Let's see. It has been an interesting summer out here. I'm in Lake Tahoe. And so, of course, we've had, uh, as many of you in the country have had, we've had uh, limited play in certain places because of COVID and everything that's happening in our world. And uh, now that it should finally be, uh, we'd be able to get outside a little bit, we've got some fires that are not so far away, which are keeping us off of the courts. So that part, in, in terms of the pickleball world, that part is a little bit of a bummer, but that's okay because it's given me some time to work on the channel and focus on some new projects that are coming up. Nice. Yeah, it's almost like we, especially out west, you guys went from like the invisible wildfire, which is still kind of rolling around out there, to like this, like, oh man, I see actual fire coming my way. So let me get out of here. It's nuts. It's crazy. It is. I, you know, in fact, I was talking to somebody um, from Seattle today and she, she was saying they never really get bad weather in Seattle. And this weekend they couldn't play pickleball because the winds changed and she was socked in. And I said, yeah, I know the feeling. I walked outside this morning and there's this little layer of ash all over everything, even though I'm, oh, as the crow flies, probably more than a hundred yard, hundred miles away from some of the closest fires. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty weird out here. It's a little surreal, isn't it? It's like kind of like like you just go out there with the ash and stuff. I mean, that's kind of kind of weird and kind of surreal. I think not good for your pickleball game, especially if you're sucking wind. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, exactly, exactly. So anyway, well, now we're talking about pickleball. Let me ask you something because you know we've been we've been really focusing on the podcast uh, recently on mental and emotional part of the game. Uh, you know, we we and I, you know I follow your channel and I know that you've seen some of our videos and you know we do a lot of work out there with things like you know, the, 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 I call it the details or the micro, you know, sort of like if you're, if you're having service yips, try this. I know that you do a lot of stuff with, you know, make sure that, that your body's in, in, in good shape to be out there. So you avoid injury and things like that can play longer. But one of the things that is, I think is super challenging, uh, I know it's super challenging for me as a player. So I just speak from personal experience. And, uh, I know that, uh, you know, players that talk to me all the time about, you know, when are you going to do some videos or, or pod, videos more, but when are you going to do some videos on mental toughness and things like that? I actually like the idea of thinking about it as mental and emotional training, which is how Coach Pete talks about it in his book and how we, he and I have been talking about it. But I thought it'd be interesting if maybe you and I could talk a little bit about, uh, you know, going kind of going back to maybe a little more of the, on, not the skills necessarily, but 
confidence. You know, I mean, I, I think a lot of times what I find is is players uh, they get rushed out on the court. They you know they feel rushed. They feel pressure. They feel stress. They feel anxiety when they get out there. Uh, and you know, obviously, there's some things you can do. I think if, if you can reach the sort of Buddhist Zen like uh, place where it doesn't matter what happens on the court, you're going to be like super chill. You know, pop the ball up. You know, it's an illusion or something, you know, whatever. But, you know, but it's not, it, it seems like like until we get to that that heightened state of awareness, right, that there, that just having confidence and just knowing that, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm doing the things that, you know, uh, CJ and Tony, you know, talk about in terms of fundamental things like that, even though I haven't mastered it yet, just working on those things is going to basically make me a more comfortable a more confident player, which will make me more comfortable. Kind of give me some thoughts, CJ, or what you're seeing just, you know, in that world. Wow. That, I mean, that's a lot to unpack, but I, I, I think it goes into two places and you've been dealing with that mental side. So I, I don't really want to say that you have to have the skill to have the confidence, because I think we certainly have seen a lot of people that have zero limited skill, not zero skill, but limited skill. And they have a lot of confidence and they, and they manage to do well. Um, but let's talk about the skill side first. It, it's pretty hard for most people to have confidence if they don't have the basic skills. And so what I always talk about, and, and, and I don't think it matters if you're a brand new player or if you're 3-5 moving to 4-0 or even a 4-5 player, what separates the levels is consistency, right? Is, is, is who, who is the most consistent on the court time and time again. And I always try to focus people really on those first three shots, right? Your serve, your return, and whatever you choose for the third shot, whether it's a drop or a drive or a lob, okay? Whatever, whatever it happens to be. Um, if you're focusing on doing those three things to the best of your ability, you know, then you're going to perform. So as an example, I mean, when I look at the serve, your first most basic thing is that it's got to be in, right? <laughs> I mean, it has right. to be yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Hitting okay. it, hitting it four, four feet out. It's really hard to score points if you're missing your serve, you know, right. net or four feet out doesn't make right. sense. Yeah. Right. And, and so how many people, and, and this has happened, right? You have people who come to you and, and who, who want coaching and they, they say, Hey, I want to hit a spin serve and they can't hit the dang thing yet. Okay. Okay. Well, right. well, first let's get it in. Let's knock off this basic. All right. Let, let's teach you to make a consistent motion. So that serve is in the box. Let's just argument's sake say 98% of the time. I mean, if you watch the top level pros, how often do they hit a serve out? Right. Not even once a game, right? Not not generally. I mean, when somebody and actually I, and misses that, a serve. I would also say, CJ, that if you look at the pros serve, not all of them, because you have Ben Johns, Ty McGuffin, there's some exceptions to the rule, but many, many pros serve rec play serves, basically just high deep serves they're not trying to do anything fancy you don't see them cutting balls you never see them hit that little cut shot serve that that every rec player dreams of you know that little kick out serve you know they don't they don't hit that serve because there's no money in that they're just like why am i gonna do that when i if i serve it down the middle or you know serve it reasonably i'm gonna be fine so yeah right. definitely right so so to me it's always looking okay first get the serve in now how do you how do you create an error from from the returner, right? Well, the thing is either go to their weak side or start to make a move. So how do you do that with your serve, right? So to me, the next thing is 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 getting that serve back in the box, making sure that that serve is deep. 
Um, then we can talk about power. Then we can talk about spin. But those are kind of like, you know, I'm originally from Wisconsin, right? And, you know, got the brick wall behind me, right? I like bricks. You can tell I like bricks. So it's kind of like building blocks in bricks. Put one thing on top of the other. And I think that confidence comes from knowing that I can, I can always get that servant, right? That's a story that I tell myself. I can always put this servant. And then you start adding on to that to become a more consistent player. So if you did those things in the first three shots, the serve, the return of serve, <laughs> and then the third shot, you're going to be pretty darn tough to beat at most levels. Right. You know, you, agreed, start, agreed. you start to get into that four five five zero. Oh, okay. I'll give you there. You need to start doing some different things. Okay. But, but you know, up to a four, four, five level, you're, you're going to be one of the people who's winning a lot and you're going to have confidence from that because you can keep the ball in play. Yeah. Players ask me all the time about like what, what defines a four player? A four player to me is a, is generally a well-rounded player, meaning, the four-wheel player can hit uh, hit the shots that are necessary. By that, I don't mean you know a crazy power serve, the kickout serve, spins, none of that stuff. I'm talking about they they don't miss their serves very often. They never miss returns of serve because that's deadly, uh, almost never. They they work on some sort of neutralizing shot, like you said, CJ. You know, I, I think players sometimes they can get too narrow. They they it's almost too narrow for them. They're like. If I, if I don't hit the shot exactly this way every time on my third, then I'm not a good player. And that's just not the case. I mean, there's other ways to solve the puzzle. So they basically find some sort of neutralizing shot on the third, and they never miss the four shot. And and once you do those things, then you're, you, if you, if you we, we say it's almost the same thing you were saying, CJ, about you know the first three shots. Our kind of philosophy that we're working with right now is just get past four. If you can get past, first, past the first four shots in every rally you play, for the next year, you're going to be an amazingly good player. Because if you look at rec games, you know, we've, we've done some statistical analysis on that. Uh, and on, in rec games, we find that the the uh, the uh, a lot of the averages are under four shots mm-hmm. per game. In other words, so if, you, if you're not getting more than four shots of rally per game, you're just, and, you know, I hate to say it, but you're not playing, you're definitely not playing 4.0 pickleball. So, you know, so that's kind of how we look at it. But it, but going back to what we were talking about, just to, to, to kind of close the loop on this part of it, you know, I, I do agree that I think that if you if you go out on the pickleball court, obviously the first time you go out there, you're just messing around. It's fine. But once you've been playing for a year, if you don't feel, I think if you don't feel confident that you kind of know what you're what you're trying to accomplish, if you don't have a plan or you don't really, you know, when you go out there, then yeah, then you can you can slide into into discomfort or slide into lack of confidence by thinking, man, maybe I shouldn't be out on this court with these folks. You know, maybe I'm not I'm not ready for this yet. Um, as, as opposed to again going out there, even if you're missing some shots, but you have an idea of what you want to accomplish, you understand that it's fundamentally sound. It's the kind of stuff that you know uh, uh, CJ Better Pickleball and Tony at Into Pickle are talking about. You know, these are the things I should be working on and doing. Then you're going to be more, I think, more more confident, and then that'll translate to more comfortable and less stress, less anxiety when you're out there. You know, I agree. It, it, I think though one of the things that sometimes I see people missing a lot, right? Lord knows pickleball is fun and everybody flocks to rec play (laughs) and really doesn't spend a lot of time working on their game outside of rec play. Um, And so to me coming from, okay, you know, I come from golf. That was my profession for years and years and years. And you maybe 
spent 10% of your time actually on the golf course, right? The rest of the time was, was practicing on the range or chipping or putting or working on that part of your game. Same thing in skiing. Um, when I'm out and I'm skiing and I'm working on my skiing, I'm not working on pole plant and my feet at the same time. I can't think about two things at once. You know? right. So, so rec play for us pickleball players, as much fun as it is, I think can be a really big distraction. Um, there is, there is something to be said for true practice. And, and that doesn't mean you have to go out there for hours and make it boring. But if you're working on making, let's just go back to the serve, because I was using that analogy. If you're working on making that serve more consistent, and you happen to know that you're not making contact in the same place in front of your body, right? So you're not making contact there you just need to go out and maybe spend 10 minutes and this could be 10 minutes before you play wreck just hitting serve after serve after serve but focusing on one thing not whether or not the serve goes in not whether or not uh, you know my paddle did this or my arm did this if you're focusing on contact you need to drill down and focus on that contact position that one and only thing so as you do some of the things that are necessary for consistency, you'll start to gain more confidence. It's, it's, it's a natural factor from it. Right. And I, I really like what you said about, you know, just go out for 10 minutes. I, I tell players all the time, I'm like, listen, I know it, it can be like, oh, I got to, you know, I should drill for two hours. And so when am I going to do it? And then you just don't do it. So before you play rec, right, say you're working on a dink or a serve or whatever you, third shot, doesn't matter. Before you start playing, say, I'm going to do five minutes, 10 minutes, even better, right? I'm going to do X amount of time before we start playing. I'm going to get my friend, you know, John or Bob or Mary or somebody to stand out there and just work with me for five minutes. No one's going to complain if you say, hey, can you work with me on this for five minutes? If you say an hour and a half, hopefully they'll work with you. And that's 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 awesome. But if they don't do that, don't just like shelve drilling or shelve training because I don't have an hour and a half or no one will do it. I mean, right. do five minutes, do 10 minutes. And I think really little by little, you know, you'll add that brick, like like CJ said, add that brick, you know, to your, to your thing. CJ, let me ask you a question about the, because uh, I do like the, the brick analogy. I think it's really, really, is it an analogy or a metaphor? You can tell me later, but one or the <laughs> other, uh, you know what I mean? I always get those, I can't get those straight, but whichever it is, you know, the, the brick over brick over brick. One of the things that I find that is very limiting for a lot of the players that who I work with uh, is basically it's TMI, right? It's like this flood of information out there. And, you know, we have right now something like 150 videos. You have something around that, maybe more. Uh, Primetime has a gazillion videos. You know, Barrett's got a million videos. I mean, it's great. It's a lot of content, which is good. If, if you can focus on like a thing you need to work on. The problem comes when like, you know, I just watched CJ's video that said to do this and then Barrett's video said to do that. And then, you know, Jordan said something and then I said something or I'm trying to work on four skills at one time. It's just impossible. It's almost like going back to the brick thing, right? It's like, I got to lay the one brick. I got to put that, I think it's mortar, right? I can put that mortar down. I got to lay another brick. I can't be like, let me get 12 bricks and all of a sudden they're magically on the wall. That's not going to happen, right? So, you know, to me, I, what I've been telling th those folks, I'm like, listen, just find something. And and I want to, I'm going to tie something else to sort of two things at one time. So the other thing is, so find something, but find the thing that will give you the biggest bang for your buck, right? So for me, for instance, if you're not locking down the NVZ after return or serve, you can't win pickleball. You will not win pickleball games if you are not getting up to the no volley zone before you hit your four shot. So I don't care about, you know, other things. I don't care. Frankly, I don't care if you ever pop the ball up. I don't care. You can pop it up all you want. 
as long as you get into the MBZ first, then whatever happens after happens after. So that's an example of something I would say, if you're not doing that, that to me is priority number one. That's the big brick that you need to work on before you start adding all these other things that you want to add. So I, I think kind of like the flood of information combined with like finding the best thing to work on or the highest value thing to work on is what I've been working on. And I don't see if that sounds makes sense to you or whether you think I'm out of my mind. So. Absolutely. I, I'm, I am not sure if there's more coaches in pickleball or coaches in golf. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I'm like, I, you know, one of the one of the first things that I always tell people who are brand new to either sport is I've always said, OK, just by the fact that you are a beginner, it's like you're wearing this sign on your head that says, feed me information. <laughs> and not all of it is good. That's the that's the problem. Um, sometimes the information's taken out of context. Sometimes um, it, it's a beginner getting like an advanced snippet of what they should be doing. And I'm with you, Tony, because when we're confused, we don't perform. When when we're thinking about how do what am I supposed to do when I get up to the to 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 my four shot right? If I'm confused about why something has to happen, I'm not going to perform well. So one of the things that I always tell people is when you get advice, and I don't care if this is from somebody that you're on the courts with in rec play, or if they are talking to you and I, why? Ask why. Why do I want to do that? <laughs> What's the, what is the reason behind? me running to the non-volley zone, right? And, and so so the minute you get somebody, and we'll use your example of getting to the non-volley zone, right? I always use the term on a returner, hit and run, right? right. Hit, hit, the, hit and run. All I want you to, it's the only time that it's legal to hit and run <laughs> is, is right now on the pickleball court, right? And, and once they understand that you're shortening the distance between you and your opponents, and that this is what it does for you. And they get that full explanation of the strategy. And then they get the reminders, right? Because how many times, I'm sure you've had to do this too. You're sitting out on a court and you've had this discussion. You've given them the strategy. They understand the concept, but they're so into their habit that they hit and stay instead of hit and run. So you literally have to be sitting on the side of the court going, run, run, <laughs> get to the non-volley zone, get up to the non-volley zone. When, when people do that, though, a few times, then they, then they get it, right? They understand the concepts. So that's one of the things that I always tell people is when you're getting this advice, no matter who it comes from, is what's the strategy behind it? Why? Did, please help me understand why I want to do this. Why is and I love that. I, I love that, CJ. That's something that we are, we are super, um, uh, and I think this is something that you, know, you and I both see the game similarly from this angle, which is basically... You have to explain the why. I mean, I've, I've gotten the, one of the first videos that we did that that gained some traction. It had to do with the backswing. So I, at that point, it was the number one air in pickleball, backswing, you know, things like that. So, and I'm explaining the whole backswing thing. And I had most people appreciate it. Most people watch it. I think they 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 appreciated the information. But you had a, lot, a decent number of people were like, "Guy talks too much," you know, "Just show me what to do." And I'm like, "But how is that going to help you? You know, how how is me like just showing you okay?" here's how you hit this shot. If you don't know why you hit it, when to hit then how can you, when you play a game, you're, you're out in the wilderness without a compass. You know what I mean? Cause you're just like, you don't know why, for instance, let's talk like the four shot, right? So the four shot, you know, and, and I'm sure you're the same, which is basically the philosophy is keeping back, you know? So basically 
that's why we have a punch volley. That's why there's that, this thing called a punch volley. So it's basically keep them back as far as you can. But if, if, if you think that's the four shot and just the four shot, then what happens with the six shot and the eight shot if they're not in yet, if you don't understand the reason for it? Now, if you understand the reason for it, you're doing it on the 20th shot. It doesn't, you don't care about it being like the four shot punch volley. It's the any shot punch volley if, if it makes sense because I know why I hit that shot and I understand what I'm trying to do. So yeah, definitely the why to me is such a big thing. And I, and I do agree with you, CJ. I think that would, that would flesh out a lot of bad information, you know, or not flesh out, but uh, ferret out or whatever, you know, screen a lot of bad information. Cause you're like, well, why is it? Tell me why it's forehand in the middle this time, you know, especially with forehand in the middle when the forehand was five feet off the line, still moving and the backhand was standing at the NBZ. I don't know. Maybe that's better. So yeah, definitely. I, I, I love that uh, that tip, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my people why. Give me the why. And I, one more thing I'll mention on this is that we just did an IPTPA certification, and that's one of the things we really focused on with the with the new instructors, right? That were in that course was, you know, when they're talking about because they have to basically, uh, uh, you know, they have to teach, right? So it's basically they have to show us their teaching. And so one of the things we really focused on with them was. You know, you're talking about, say, the long dink or, you know, the third shot long dink, right? And, well, I mean, it, it, these the players that you're talking to, they don't, why am I hitting that shot, right? So if you don't explain to them the context and, and why you're hitting the shot, then it's just not the same, you know, just to tell them, you know, drop it in the kitchen. Well, why am I dropping it in the kitchen? You know, and now if I understand I'm dropping it in the kitchen because I want to neutralize, then I understand that maybe a higher, slower ball, maybe even a lob sometimes, whatever, will accomplish the same objective. So anyway, yeah, I definitely agree with that, CJ. Well, and, and, but I also think it feeds into when you start to understand why, then you can sometimes differentiate things that happen at certain levels. So as an example, when, when I talked about the third shot, right, I said, well, I mean, really, there's three third shots. <laughs> you're going to drop, you're going to drive, or you're going to lob. There's one of those, one of those three things are going to happen on the third shot. Um, at a certain level, a lob can be an effective shot. Okay. Now you're not going to, I don't teach a lot. I do not teach a lob from the baseline. I love the lob at the non-volley zone. I don't teach a lob from the baseline. But at a lower level, if you're playing with with players who are not good movers, <laughs> that can be an effective shot for you. Now, when you start to go up in 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 ranking, you're going to get murdered cuz you're going to hit it too shot, too short. And that, that smash is going to come back to you that you cannot keep the ball in play. But if you understand what a lob does, right, what is a lob used for, and then you can make those adjustments as you get better, you can still achieve that consistency. Right, because you have the framework. You know, Once you have the framework of how the game is played and you understand serve side, return side, you know, what I'm trying to do on each side, uh, what I'm trying to do when I get to the MBZ, you know, we're even at the MBZ, we're playing a, a rally out. Uh, you know, I think, it, yeah, then then you can add your own kind of flavor to it, but you have confidence and, and, and you know what you're doing. So I think going back and CJ, I really appreciate you you being on the podcast today. I think, you know, you know I think, you know, in summary, it sounds like uh, uh, we're kind of on the same page here. That basically, you know, if a player acquires... It's not, I agree with you. It's not skills. So it's not like, okay, you're hitting third shots at 85% success rate. So therefore now you, you, you should be comfortable on the court. It's basically just being comfortable with kind of the, the, the general, you know, how's the game played? What am I trying to do? What are they trying to do? Maybe I make a mistake, but I understand the game. 
I think that gives players confidence when they're out there and confidence then gives them kind of a sense of peace when they're out there. Even if things aren't going perfectly, they know what's happening. They kind of know, you know, they speak the language, so to speak. They're not, they don't feel like they're, you know, a stranger in a foreign land, you know, like not really understanding what's going on on the court. And I think that that gives, it gives me a ton of peace to be out there because I may have days when I'm not playing well, but I feel like I, I, I don't feel uncomfortable on the court because, you know, I know what's going on, you know, win or lose. Right. You know, one other thing, Tony, that I think is that really adds to confidence. And I know it adds to confidence for me personally, and I've seen it add, add to confidence for students, is skinny singles. And, and, and I think that singles gets, A, number one, it gets way too bad a rap. Um, oh no, no, I can't move that. I can't move that much. Right. Um, you know, look online. I've got some footage of, uh, the 80 year old singles matches at nationals from a few years ago. Um, there's a couple 90 year olds out on the East coast playing singles. So I, I got news for you. If they can play singles, anybody can play singles. Right. Um, but skinny singles where you're only using half the court, you, you know, you're using either a straight down line or the combination of the down line and the cross court skinny singles. It does two things. I think it makes you aware of really placing the ball. I think that too many times in, in this just comes from people just don't have a target, right? They're not thinking, I want to, I want to hit this shot X. I want to put this shot over here. I, I, I want to do this with it, that people don't have a target. And if you don't have a target, you're, a, you're not giving your mind the program that it needs to perform the swing that you're looking for. Okay. I mean, just plain and simple. It's not there. You have to program, you have to tell your mind what it is that you want to do. So when you're playing skinny singles, because you're only using half the court, you are now more target aware, right? Um, so you see that you also end up, you know, you were talking about the four shot on skinny singles. If you cannot get that deep return to the back, you're going to be caught short of the non-volley zone unless you're Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay? You're going to have to figure out a way to get yourself up there on the next shot. So, so there's all these things that open up because of that game. And this, again, this is something you don't even have to go out and play skinny singles for two hours. Go play it. Skinny singles for two hours is hard. <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do it. Like you said, 10 minutes while you're trying to warm up to play doubles. And, and I think that game can give you so much confidence uh, in, in, because it opens up your mind as well as it, 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 it narrows down your shot making. And I, I like what you brought up. It reminded me of something, what you brought up about kind of having a target, like the target to me, listen, you're not going to hit the target every time because we're not, you know, we're not robots, right? We're not automatons that, okay, target here, arc a ball, and we execute it perfectly. So we're going to make mistakes. But the confidence is, I know what I'm trying to accomplish. What I find is, and, and you probably do too, CJ, with, with students is, you know, some of the, clin part of the clinic will usually have some, some gameplay, you know, just regular play. And so I'm watching and I'm, and so I'll stop after the, the rally and I'll say, uh, I'm going to pick it. I'm going to pick on you, CJ. CJ, Why'd you, you know, what were you thinking when you, when you, you know, hit the ball over here and, and CJ will look at me and say, I hit the ball there. I mean, like, and I'm like, yeah, you, you know, you hit the ball th there and the, the, no, like basically, and, and I'm not trying to be critical, but it's like the, the player has no idea where the ball went, why it went there or anything. So, and, and I can see how, like, if, if that, if that's kind of the, if that's what's happening right when you're playing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it would be uncomfortable or, you know, you wouldn't have a lot of confidence in what's happening because 
you know, you're not even aware, much less deciding on what you're doing, right? So, uh, and for instance, like I know if I if win, lose, or draw, I know, you know, where the ball went. I can probably tell you where the ball went, you know, three points ago or three rallies ago because that's how how you know. But that gives me a lot of confidence. So yeah, definitely, just having it's not. You know, I don't want to make it sound like you have to have like a, a complete game plan before you go out to the court. So you need to have like a written down thing about everything you're going to do. But you just have a general idea of, OK, if I'm on return, I'm trying to keep him back. Generally, I'm making him work. And then if I'm the serve, I need to neutralize and get up little things that you can kind of then as you're out there, you piece them together. And, and like you said, CJ, if, if you do the four shot and you're not at the NBZ on the four shot or you hit a short return, your brain should be able to say, I know what happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't make it up to the MBZ. Okay, so next time I'm going to make it up to the MBZ. And it's little things like that that now you're confident because you know what happened. Not I lost. I have no idea what happened. I just I don't even know. You know. So anyway. Well, I mean, one of the things that I do when I'm out and and I'm playing rec play, and I think we're all in those instances in rec play where we know that some of the games we're going to play are going to be highly competitive, and some of the games we're going to play in rec play are going to be less competitive. And, and, and instead of complaining about the less competitive games <laughs> that we have in rec play, one of the things that I really trained myself to do early on is when I felt like I might be in that game, I am going to say, okay, here's what I am going to do. For, here's the strategy that I'm going to apply to, to this game for the whole entire game. So as an example, one of the things I might say is, okay, for the first five shots or for the first five points, I am going to hit the ball only to this spot on the court or to this person's backhand or to this person's forehand, or no matter where I am, that's where I'm going to hit the ball. Okay. Just, just to see that I'm going to do it. Maybe another thing it will be, I will never in this game, I will not attack any ball. That's not clearly above the net. Right. I mean, um, in this, whenever I'm the returner, I'm going to return it down the line because I think most people return cross court or to the center. I, I think there's great strategy in, <laughs> in doing to the center. I'm not saying that that's not a good strategy, but that shouldn't be your only strategy, right? <laughs> right? Is I'm going to do that. Um, if I'm the server, maybe in this game, every time I serve, I'm going to serve a different serve every time I pick up the ball. Now, here's here again, don't take all those things. Each one of those is its own building block, right? Don't 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 throw all those bricks together and go then go, oh crap, I got this big old pile, right? Because right. you're right. trying to do 10 things during the game. One thing at a time. Pick one thing, stick with it for that entire game. And then maybe the next game you do the same thing, or maybe you do something completely different. It, it, it depends, but it's a great way to start to bring some of those um, skills and strategies into your pickleball game so that when you get into those more competitive games, you are reacting on, somewhat on habit, right? You, you're, you're looking for openings and you're seeing where that opening is. And now you're able to take advantage of it because you've drilled and developed a habit. And the key to me of what you're saying, CJ, and it makes a lot of sense, is basically you're playing with intentionality. And the intentionality is it could just be, you know, I'm just going to be very aware of, of of how the rallies are ending. So if they're ending in my favor, I know what happened. If they ended against me, I know what happened. Uh, it could be exactly what you said. You know what? I'm at a stage in my development that I, that I want to start moving my return to serve around. 
no sweat. Then start moving that return around. That's your, but you're playing with intentionality and purpose. And I think that kind of purpose then br- brings or breeds, I don't know, you know, confidence and then comfort, which is really important. So CJ, listen, I, I really, really appreciate your time and, 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 you know, willing to, to share with the listeners, uh, these great ideas. Uh, I know, I know where to get a hold of you, but would you mind, you know, I know that, I know that obviously you're, you're, you're a, you're a pickleball professional uh, in the sense that, you know, we, we instruct, we're, we're out there, we're sharing pickleball knowledge. I know that you're also very knowledgeable in, in well-being, you know, personal well-being and things like that, particularly, uh, for players and just individuals, persons over 50, you know, taking care of their body and things like that. So if our listeners want to get a hold of you, CJ, what's a good way for them to do that? You can find me in two places. You, you can find me at my website, which is betterpickleball.com, or you can find me over on my YouTube channel, which is betterpickleball.com on YouTube. So either place. All right, so the, the CJ, it should be best pickleball because you'll find it there, but betterpickleball.com and also better pickleball on YouTube. Check out CJ's stuff on there. Uh, her, her videos are really informative and helpful and really help you step up your game and go to her website and check out what's going on. Thanks a lot, CJ, for being on with us today. Thanks for having me, Tony. It's great fun as usual. want to thank CJ from Better Pickleball for being on this week's podcast. I hope that this information will help you become a more confident and comfortable player out on the court. Remember that pickleball is for everybody. Uh, You know, there's nobody who's more deserving or less deserving of playing this awesome sport. So when you're out on the pickleball court, enjoy yourself out there. Get some good exercise in. Hopefully get some some good games in and uh, have a nice day. Uh, Join us next week. We'll continue the series with Dr. Peter Scales on mental and emotional training. Till then, stay safe out there.